Welcome back to Humans of Purpose. I'm your host, Mike Davis, and each week I bring you conversations with local purpose-driven leaders. Leaders creating social impact through their work and inspiring positive social change across a wide variety of sectors. Sit back, tune in, and enjoy the next 40 minutes guaranteed to inspire you with our signature blend of wisdom, experience, and banter. Learn more at humansofpurpose.com. My, my dream is that someone that works with us um, finds more work down the track. Um, but my dream is also that they can go home to their family um, and when they're, you know, at the dinner table and their parents are complaining about their manager um, or, you know, their job, this, you know, a colleague of mine with a disability can do the exact same thing. Like, isn't that complain the coolest? Yeah, yeah, complain about me, complaining about someone else. <laughs> isn't that the coolest thing ever? And we look at that as... as um, you know, that's genuinely a privilege that we get to have a job. Great to be back with you here, as always. At least once a week, I'm asked about the business model behind Humans of Purpose. The answer, as you may know, is that as a social enterprise, we rely on a handful of sponsored episodes each year to fund all our operations. About one-fifth of our podcasts annually are paid for by sponsors and promotional partners, which enables the rest of the year's content to be run sponsorship-free and totally independent. Our books are now closed for 2022, but if you have a values-aligned product or service and want to reach our senior professional audience of Australian changemakers, of whom about 10,000 listeners tune in per month, we'd love to hear from you. Our wonderful supporter base here ensures we are regular fixtures in the top 20 of the Australian management podcast charts. Not a bad result for an independent podcast competing against nearly 3 million other podcasts here and globally. Beyond sponsoring the podcast, another way to support the show and enjoy some great perks in the process is to become a Humans of Purpose member. This will enable you to avoid all ads, get a full transcript and my written and audio show notes for every episode. We are, of course, proud to be sponsored by the great folk at Neon Treehouse, who are still the best digital agency on the planet Earth. They do our marketing and socials and are doing a fantastic job for a great cause. This week, I'm thrilled to welcome Bianca Stern to the podcast. I met Bianca at the recent Social Enterprise World Forum in Brisbane and was really impressed with her and her social enterprise cafe, All Things Equal, which is in my favourite local food district of Carlisle Street, Balaclava. All Things Equal is a fresh take on the typical cafe in Melbourne, providing purposeful employment for people with and without disability in a mainstream work environment. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Bianca as much as I did. What a pleasure. Friday afternoon, end of the week, feeling energised. How are we today? So good. So good? Yeah, very happy to be here. Fantastic. It's great to be with you. Um, We only met, I think it was last week at the Social Enterprise World Forum, the old uh, Goma after party. (laughs) How'd you find that week? It was great. Lots of meeting cool people. Like me? Absolutely. That was so forced. Sorry. (laughs) Great to meet your crew as well. Fantastic uh, mob of youngsters doing great things. Yeah, the the program I'm on, they're, yeah, really awesome people. Tell us about that. What's the program? So I'm taking part in the CENVIC, Social Enterprise Network Victoria, um, their Emerging Leaders Program. Mm -hmm. So surrounded by some some pretty cool people doing cool things and they happen to be young. Um, Intimidatingly young. I I sort of... um, I think one of your um, peers said, uh, oh, don't worry, you, you're, you're younger than my dad. And I, that was lovely. Great to hear. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, no, they're, <laughs> they're a really cool um, 
cool, cool group of people who are doing cool things and they all happen to be doing things entirely. We're all doing things entirely different entirely to each other. Entirely different spaces, which mm. I found very exciting. And so, I mean, all things being equal, I mean, I haven't been there, but I had seen it on Carlisle Street. So we had this funny moment in um, in Brisbane, of course, where you said, oh, where is it, Carlisle Street? It's bright yellow and, um, and black. And I thought, oh, I've driven past there many times. Because uh, it used to be Treehouse or something like that. That's right, yeah. So Everyone very, knows Treehouse. Everyone knows Treehouse. I'm really excited to go there and to talk all about it. What I want to know first is how did you get interested in that space? So disability, employment, inclusion, and also the cafe, hospitality, and social enterprise space. Mm, so to preface, I have absolutely no hospitality experience. I just like to eat good food and drink good coffee. Nice. Um, but I got involved in the disability, the inclusion space through an organisation called Fly. Fox, where I um, had a few different leadership positions, fell in love with with the space and really just taught me that people with disabilities are exactly the same as myself and just happen to lack um, or not receive the same opportunities that I get. So that then um, led to me exploring a whole bunch of different things in the space and then eventually um, was a natural transition, All Things Equal was was, uh, starting and I just knew I had to get involved in something like that um, and know that I could, I mean, didn't know if I could have such great impact, but wanted to start and happened to be given a pretty cool, um, yeah, pretty cool responsibility. So, And so was that a real activation point for you, Flying Fox, sort of being in that space and sort of seeing the inequity? 100%. And it taught me a whole lot about nonprofits, social impact, yeah, whole range of things that I genuinely didn't know existed. Yeah, I mean, it's quite interesting how there's a whole world out there and until it sort of smacks you right in the face, you just don't know where you're headed and then, you know, you're on a new path. Totally. Yeah. So tell us about the inception of um, All Things Equal. Mm. So um, interestingly, I was actually working on a pilot project before All Things Equal started, Mm -hmm. which was to support young people with disabilities in my local community to gain paid employment through mainstream businesses and we were connected to all the right people. Um, I was incredibly passionate, still am, and we just didn't have success with supporting those people and it it was quite interesting. Um, there was sort of, you know, no marketing and just had a whole bunch of people that were reaching out to me with disabilities that wanted work and we just couldn't. With no marketing? With, yeah. That tells you something about community need, doesn't it? Totally. Um, and in terms of all things equal, um, our founder has a daughter um, who was finishing school. She has autism, incredible baker, loves to be in the kitchen, great environment for her, but there were no employment opportunities. So he essentially rallied around um, a board who were as passionate as he was. And that was how All Things Equal started. And so tell me about the mission of All Things Equal. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're at very grassroots still. So we're still sort of defining our model and this oh, and that as we're going. Everyone's on that journey all the time. For sure. Um, but essentially we we bridge the gap between people with, people with disability and the wider community through purposeful paid employment training and work readiness. So really about giving someone a sense of purpose and it's not necessarily, um, you know, award wage is, is incredibly important, but that's not the only thing that someone receives through working with us. There's a whole bunch of transferable skills, there's a sense of belonging, um, being part of a community, that there's there's so much to it. And yeah, genuinely you walk into the space and it's 
It's awesome. It's it's um we like to call it our sunshine cafe because it's incredibly it is bright. Bright <laughs> and sunshiny. Yeah. yeah. In fact, sometimes when I drive past, I feel like I should put my glasses on. It's yes. that kind of um intense pulsating yellow. It is. I think I've become desensitized, but yep. um it's very bright. <laughs> very bright, very bright. But also the idea is very bright and um the way you articulated that um mission statement was very, very good. Thank you. I've trained myself. <laughs> well, it does require training and I mean sometimes you hear a lot of awful mission statements and they're notoriously hard to get right. But the fact that you can say, you know, this is what it is now and it's a work in progress means that you reflect on it all the time, which you should be, and um, you're committed to having a really good one and improving it over time, which is also key, and, and, and that will shift as the as the enterprise evolves as well. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, you know, professional development and personal development is really important when you're starting something up and when you're part of something like that. So um, something like the, the conference that we met at last week, yeah. um, that taught me a lot about how much I don't know mm. and how much more um, we can be doing. And, uh, yeah, pretty we're pretty much a blank canvas, which is which is pretty cool. Do you have, a, like, a top learning from the conference that you came away with? Um, yeah. Nick Pierce um, made, made a comment. He said that we need to be disruptors. Yep. And I took that away and I was like, whoa. We don't mind Nick Pierce at this podcast. So <laughs> happy to hear him quoted. Very yes. good. He's uh, quite a disruptive man beast Great himself. Great guy. Yeah. yeah. Great yeah. bloke. And it, it was, um, yeah, the conference I think was, it was pretty cool to see like-minded organisations who are more estab- way more established than All Things Equal is and they still have their own challenges. Yeah. Um, and the people that run them are incredibly cool and, and yeah, genuinely great people and that's... They're real people. Real people. That's what I quite like about this space. Um, I don't run a social enterprise, of course. I'm an employee at one. But um, I must say the way that um, that space brings people together who have faced all sorts of adversity and disadvantage, that's real entrepreneurship. Totally. totally. You know, it's very easy to be an entrepreneur when, you know, you, you grew up in a white privileged area and everything went, went well for you and you just started a business that was successful. That, that's that right. Social entrepreneurship lens where founders often have challenges, um, people often grow up in very difficult environments and then mm. they sort of start things to um, to redress inequalities in society. Really important stuff. Totally. Um, and something else I guess that, that I that I've been thinking a lot about since is the the idea of social entrepreneurship. Mm. I don't even think I can say that word properly. It's a hard um, word to say. <laughs> I agree. Uh, but what does that mean? Yeah. Um, and yeah. What I, do you I, think it means? I, I don't know mm. um, is, is the truth. And Isn't it just entrepreneurship oriented towards a social purpose? Yeah. Maybe. I, maybe. I, I think so. But I also do we need that title or do we just do and have impact and that's enough? Like do we need that associated with what we do? So maybe um, are you sort of making the point that maybe all entrepreneurship today has some social element or yeah and also yeah. that maybe we just don't need to have that title yeah. at all and we can just be be ourselves but it's so cool it's a rock star you know like it, people people love saying social they love entrepreneur. titles they love are social everything enterprise. it's a very yeah. it's a very sexy model it is it is um but yeah that's something that i'm personally sort of battling at the moment sounds like one thing you are also battling with is being just really busy um mm. as as many young social entrepreneurs are so tell me about your your life and um all the various components and how you manage them yeah <laughs> do i manage them is the real question well yeah, um, nice rhetorical <laughs> question yeah um yeah yeah, so I'm a part of a team. Um, what I do at All Things Equal is definitely not just me, and I, and I work around some really, really great people. But when you're starting up a grassroots organisation that essentially is open seven days a week, so we don't just run a cafe, we do a whole bunch of other stuff. But We should get to that. Yeah. Hmm. Um, it's really difficult, 
and how do you make sure that you have a really good work-life balance and how do you, you know, if you don't, if you don't do it, who's going to do it? Mm. So that's sort of something that, that I, um, I think about a lot. And when do I stop and when do I say, hey, you know, is this an emergency? Is it not an emergency? Great, turn your phone off, all that stuff. And, yeah, I, I, it's incredibly complicated because I'm also incredibly driven mm. um, and incredibly committed and passionate about what I do as per almost every young person that's in this space. You are very responsive, which I quite like. I mean, you know, I shot you out a message after we met um, Seeking to Connect and you're very quick and sharp and, like, you don't see that all the time in young people, so I really, I really like that. Mm, that's really interesting because I, I back young people wholeheartedly yep. um, and... I be, yeah, I feel that we need to get more young people into proper, genuine leadership positions. Yeah, um, absolutely. But, yeah, we need to make sure that we're at the same standard as someone that's a lot more experienced if we want to be seen as... Having said that, I do know people of my age and above who have not responded to emails for months. <laughs> so I, I'm not um, making a generalisation there. It's across the board. But to see responsiveness um, in people who are early to business in their life is really impressive. Mm. So um, yeah. kudos to you. Thank you. What are the other things you have to balance with your time? Um, self-care. Self-care. Yeah. So this is, so your main thing is all things equal and then you've got to fit obviously everything else in life around it, family, friends, self-care, well-being. That's right. I have another job as well. Um, What's your other job? I'm a support worker. So I provide one-on-one support to someone with a disability. How good. So that that, that sort of complementary work is only going to make things better. Totally. Totally. And I, I was doing that while I was studying um, and I was working with a whole range of different people, which really gave me. People with disabilities? Maybe. People with yep. disabilities and gave me incredible insight into the genuine day-to-day challenges that someone faces and one of the biggest barriers that I found was the lack of employment. So yep. it sort of went hand in hand with um, with my passion for what I'm doing now. And is there something about sort of agency and independence that's sort of inherently tied there? So the idea being that if you're a person with a disability, having a job sort of gives you that social belonging, sense of community, that, you know, fiscal or monetary independence, and then a bit more... One hundred percent. Yeah, mobility. Yeah, my my dream is that someone that works with us um, finds more work down the track. Um, But my dream is also that they can go home to their family um, and when they're, you know, at the dinner table and their parents are complaining about their manager um, or, you know, their job, this, you know, a colleague of mine with a disability can do the exact same thing. Like, isn't that the coolest? Yeah, Yeah. complain about me, complain about someone else. (laughs) Isn't that the coolest thing ever? And we look at that as... as, um, you know, that's genuinely a privilege that we get to have a job. And I don't think people realise that, you know, we could have gotten a job at the age of 14 and nine months. I've got people, 50 people on our wait list right now who um, we can't can't employ them because we can't meet the demand. What are you going to do with them? It's a really good question. Um, we need to expand and we need to do it quickly. Or You're looking to do another site or something? Eventually. Yeah. Um, or we just need to, you know, be better advocates in this space and, and educate other employers to... Potential um, partnerships with other cafes yeah. that want to introduce similar things that, maybe? That's right. Um, but also just, you know, does that mean that those people on our wait list want a job in hospitality or is it just because we happen to run a cafe and happen to be an inclusive employer that they want to work with us. So, yeah, educating our local community and local businesses mm. on the benefits and the the mutual benefits of employing someone with, with a disability. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's quite interesting because you don't see a lot of social enterprises popping up on retail strips. So, mm. like, for example... Do you think there are any other social enterprises along Carlisle Street? No. Um, there's an amazing one up the road called Super Kitchen. Oh, yeah. Um, but other than that, I don't know of anything in, in our local, local area. It's surprising, isn't it, a little bit? 
Yeah, it, it is quite interesting. Maybe it's because it's a lot more complex than people think. And um, we probably couldn't have started with, with a more difficult industry. Yeah. But it's also pretty cool that, you know, our main competitors are just standard cafes on the street. Like, we want to be known as a cafe and as an organisation that makes good food and good coffee and just happen to do good. It's mm. not um, – we're not some tokenistic – Makes you know, me think it's sort of like the Feast of Merit glory days where, you know, you go down, have a healthy meal yeah. and know that it's all going to a good cause. Yeah, and interestingly yeah. that you bring that up, um, Feast of Merit was the first social enterprise, I think. I, I think that was when I learned about what doing good oh, in really? business is. Yeah. 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 No, they do it well. And, they, you know, it is a really hard industry to do it in, but it's also um, a really well-suited model to social enterprise. Mm. Uh, you know, look at Street and some of these other um, dudes doing just incredible work. For sure, for yeah. sure. Um, and, yeah, it was really cool at the conference to see a whole bunch of these people in the hospitality space just doing awesome stuff. And, you know, someone like... Um, an organisation like Street who have now started up Streetwise um, to create templates and support for other social enterprises wanting to do the same thing. So yeah. they know what works, they yeah. know what they missed out on and they want to help others. I think that's yeah. cool. Yeah, they're actually geniuses. I mean, that whole mob, um, you know, Kate, Beck, they're just, uh, they're killers. I mean, they're the pinnacle of like what any social enterprise wants to be. Yeah, but I think also just like the way they um, the way they think is just sort of really dynamic and then it's it's not just about the product or the offering that they do. It's about how can they then help others along the same For journey sure. and that's that's a big investment of time and resources. Totally, totally. Yeah. And um, I think collaboration in this space is incredibly important, especially when um, we're also all non-profits yep. um, because we lack resources, mm. lack you know, people lack time, all that stuff. So the more that we can work together for a common goal, even if we're meeting yep. a different, um, you know, demographic per se, um, working together is so yeah, huge. let's just talk um, brass tax for a minute. How do you set up something like that? Where, where does the funding come from? Is it a group of partners who come in and say, we all care about this, here's our stake? Is it philanthropy? Is it, what's the sort of model to get started? Um, for us, it was both. Yeah. So had a, had a bunch of people on our board and, and others who, who um, wanted to get involved and just genuinely cared a lot about this yep. and wanted to get it started. And then since then, we've, we've brought philanthropists on board who also, and not just with us to provide money, but we want them to be with us on the journey yeah. because we're doing something that's incredibly which, complex. Which is actually what they want as well. Totally. That's what any yeah. donor wants. No. They want to be, they don't just want to be contacted, you know, once once a year and say, hey, can we get another 50K? Yep. They, they want to be part of the solution yep. and we do our best to, to bring them on, on that journey journey with us because they genuinely can add value. And while I'm really young, um, I'm learning so much about the philanthropy space and it's really exciting it's, for it's me. It's like, for me, the most interesting and most complicated space. For sure, for sure. So I'm, I'm learning, yeah, yeah, I'm learning a lot. I love talking to people in philanthropy because um, I'm not looking for their money, so it's kind mm. of easier. Yeah. But also I'm fascinated by what they do and how they make decisions. Um, it's so many things to take into account. It's oh, quite, quite fascinating. So many. And yeah. and I think because we when we first started, we had nothing backing us. We had no proof that um, that what we were doing was going to work. Um, so for those um, philanthropists that supported us before we even started or when we just got started, you know, they're, they're the true superheroes in this because there was very clearly a risk involved and we just happened to still be alive. But, um, yeah. <laughs> well said. So you, you mentioned you do a lot of other things at All Things um, Equal. Um, I keep trying to say all things being equal because of the like the <laughs> expression. Sorry about that. Um, what are the other things you do there um, aside from employment? 
Yeah. Oh, so so we run. We actually run two cafes. So we run our our main hub in Balaclava, which is essentially a trading hub. It's mm-hmm. what people know us for. Um, we run a another cafe, a smaller cafe, in an aged care facility in Windsor. Oh, nice. Um, which we just launched this year. Congratulations. Um, thank you. How's it going? It's good. It's good. Di- um, the the customers are entirely different. So you know when you're we just thought it was going to be the same sort of – it's as simple as being on Carlisle Street. It's not. Um, so you have to change up a whole bunch of stuff and have to be incredibly creative and innovative with how we want to get customers through the door. Um, we also this year ran um, a canteen for our local footy club, Ajax. Nice. Which was – Unbelievable to good get response. out. They, oh, they would have loved it. It was it was better than good. Um, and we our staff were genuinely able to contribute to to the community. And people see them as really capable people of, that can you know get a job and, and do a really good job at that. Yep. So. Um, yeah, that was awesome. And we run a cooking school. So um, train up some some young people who might already be in employment with us or perhaps aren't yet ready for paid employment but want, you know, real-life skills in a real-world environment with real-world expectations. Mm. They come to us. Mm. Um, and we, uh, yeah, hoping to launch a bit of a catering side of things. We're getting, yeah. We, we, people approach us about a whole bunch of stuff and we sort of have to work out what's yeah. uh, what's a priority, what's not, what's an awesome opportunity maybe for a year's time. Yeah, and yeah. what's what's sort of strategically aligned and what isn't, mm. what sort of fits in with the mission. For sure. And in terms of that, I mean, I guess you think about impact maybe a fair bit. What is the right amount of time that you want somebody to stay in your employee before they go on to other things? Yes, yes. And because we've got – so we've employed 25 people to date um, and over 50 people on our wait list with zero marketing. So can't even imagine what, what yeah. the wait list would be like with some more marketing. Um We'd love to to get all our staff who have developed their skills with us since we started, so about a year and a half. Um, would love to get every single one of them into into another job. But if there's no employer on the other end, well then you want them to stay. How do they move on? So how do we? The, what I always think about and what I always um, talk to our managers about is: how, Are we setting that person up for success? Can that person get another job tomorrow? And if the answer is no, we don't do whatever the you know whatever that practice is. So. Um, Ideally, we'd love to move all our staff on to somewhere else, but we've built a family and we're a comfort zone now, which also might be a bit of an issue. Mm. But um, yeah, would love to to get them into into you know even more mainstream work. Yeah. So when you think about what your picture of success is, is it the number of people you bring through the door? Is it that combined with the number of people that leave into their successful next job and what their tenure is in that job? And is it sort of checking back in and they're on a wonderful life mm. improvement trajectory? Is it more autonomy? Such a good question. I think we're still we're trying to work that out at the yep. moment. Um, what you know, what is our measure of impact? And I, I don't know what the answer is, but we see success every single day. We, you know, to give you an example, had a staff member who um, was incredibly shy and quiet when he first started with us and couldn't do anything independently, um, and now does absolutely everything independently to the point where he's our most independent staff member. Wow. So that's, that's, I mean, that's a case study, but that's success in itself. Yeah, and we shouldn't sort of also belittle the importance of case studies. Mm. I mean, that is a beautiful story and that's, for me, very impactful. Yeah, I think it's it's more, for us probably, it's more about the stories than yes. this person's been in, you know, this amount of hours yeah, and, and work yeah, with us. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we've supported three of our staff to find another job as well, which um, which is also a measure of impact. Yeah, terrific. Yeah. And so when you're doing your work and the business development and thinking about where you want to go and, you know, quite new grassroots, whatnot, who are your kind of people that you look up to and go to for support and advice and maybe as an example? 
Mm, um, our board. Yep. Definitely. We've got some, some really great people with some really different skills. Um, there's a specific philanthropist that I that I look up to a lot and um, and pick his brain on absolutely everything and he'll tell me if what I'm doing is just totally wrong. Yeah. Um, and then other social enterprises. Uh, so, yeah, definitely. A, name a couple. Um, Homie. Yep. Straight. Yep. Um, I met Tennille Gilbert oh, yeah. uh, a few weeks ago. She's awesome for Change she Co. She is awesome. Yeah, seriously cool. So seeing seeing people that, are, that have been around for a bit longer um, and they're still alive and, and they're young. They're <laughs> still alive. <laughs> it's a surprise in this harsh world of social enterprise. Young people just, you know, killing over everywhere. But, yeah, yeah no. So seeing seeing young people who are doing this, I think that's awesome. It's inspiring, um, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, because, you know, to be totally transparent, most of them, including myself, still don't know what we're doing. So, um, yeah, the fact that there's, you know, in my case, a board that backs what I'm doing and backs the team that I work with um, is yeah, it's pretty special. Will you go to Nick and give him a ring or email and ask him questions or to Neil or sort of people like that? Um, probably not enough. Yeah, so to that's be honest, to, to think about. Yeah, and and you know, how much time do you spend focusing in on on your organisation, and how much of it do you spend on community and and outwards well, facing? Well, that's that's a very important strategic question. That, mm. That's a question that you know, mature boards and executive teams grapple with every day. Mm. Uh, sort of with strategy, how much of it is looking down at our toes, and how much of is it of it is looking up at the horizon and the clouds for sure, uh, and what's in the external environment. So that's right. That yeah. sort of thinking places you quite well. Definitely, definitely. Um, but yeah, bringing together a group of, of people doing like-minded things. Nick and I spoke about this um, at the conference. Um, I think that needs to happen more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Working together. What do you do to switch off and take yourself away from this space? Mm, not sure, to be honest. You don't do <laughs> No, I, I don't do enough. Yeah. I, I genuinely don't do enough. And I think the fact that I've, I'm acknowledging that is probably my first step of knowing that something else needs to change. <laughs> yeah. But um, Do people tell you that you're over-invested? Yes. Yeah. And are you tired or burnt out? Yeah, for okay. sure, for sure. Oh, well, then they're pretty I wouldn't sure say fire. burnt out. No, you I'd don't look tired. burnt out. No. But I mean, just like, you know, they're, they're surefire signs that you probably need to um, invest in self and rejuvenation. Mm. But you're very young, so yeah. you probably have more energy than people like me. Sure. And I think, you know, talking about young people, yeah. I mean, uh, you've got total energy, oh, so stop, don't, don't stop, stress stop. about that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you're humble. Uh, yeah, I think as, as young people, we, we sort of sometimes feel like we need to prove ourselves and yes, which can be stop? really like great as a motivator. Yeah, I still feel that every day. Yeah. by the way, because you're young. Oh, well, mate, I think it, I don't think that's something that leaves you. If you if you're someone who um, is, I don't know if it's like hungry for success because you are working on something you're very passionate about, or you're somebody who's been snubbed very early in your life for opportunities that others have got. It leaves you with this insatiable hunger. Yes, um, yes, and, and this drive—the drive, the of drive. Just yeah. wanting to go. But you know, are you running a marathon? Are you running a sprint? What yeah. are you doing? Um, but yeah, I, I have this saying um, that's to take every opportunity as long as it's safe. Yeah, and that's an, that's something that I've sort of lived in my life until now. And now I'm thinking like, well, hey, do you need it? Like, what is it like to say no? And is saying no it's okay? Good. Yeah, that's no, um, good. 
But to date, I've said yes to almost everything. And, and that's, that's how you should start. Yeah. I mean, that's how everyone should start. And then I think as time goes on, you have a sort of tighter criteria as you have less time and energy mm. and resource to say, you know, these are the things that align to where I'm going. So I will do those things. Mm. And this bucket are things that don't really align as much to helping me get where I need to go. And I found them to not be as good a use of time. So I'll, I'll abandon them. For sure. And, I mean, you're still young, but do you feel that you experience that as a younger person, those challenges? Um, definitely. Um, I think it's taken – it takes a lot of confidence to start saying no to things mm. because the, we, as people, have an inherent fear that we're not going to get another opportunity at things yeah. and we also crave momentum. Yeah. So it's like, you know, getting on a run at the casino or whatnot. Like, you, you know, you want to hit on everything. Um, if you're going well. Sure. So you've got this wave of energy and then somebody else invites you on another podcast and then another blog opportunity and another like partnership thrill. meeting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's very exciting to be in the it zone. Is. But at the same time, it's sort of knowing, you know, um, it, it's taking more of a, a realistic track record of, hey, I've done these things before and how have they worked out for me? Mm. And so just taking a bit of a like a stock take of when I respond to these opportunities – um, this is or isn't a good use of my time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's interesting because I like you know we get approached all the time from other people and other organisations who um, want to start up something similar. So they want to meet um, and they want us to support them. That's and, the hardest one. And obviously we want to help them, and obviously we're all here for a common goal yeah, and all those things. That's, but that's the hardest one. Mm. And I, that's the one that I still grapple like. That never goes away. Yeah. When you do something sort of first or you're early to something um, or you're doing something that other people are interested in but they're not sure whether they can do it, like you do have heaps of people who come to you and ask you, want to have a meeting about what they want to do. Mm. But I think like the way I think about it is that meetings should always be exchanges of knowledge. That's right. Um, and it needs to be mutually beneficial. Mutually beneficial is good. Um, sometimes there are giving meetings and there's nothing wrong with that where you go knowing that you can just be giving of yourself and your time. And I think we, we all have a responsibility to do that. And you don't at the moment because you're, you know, working on something very important, but I feel I do. So I do mentoring and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, and I love that. Um but I think, you know, generally speaking, a lot of people don't know this, but if you're going to set a meeting with someone, make sure that there's something in it for them. Yeah. You know, it's sort of this basic principle of reciprocity. Mm. So we, we both move a little bit and we have a much richer relationship as a result. For sure. If I make a meeting with you and I say, hey, oh, I just really want to um, meet with you and learn about your, your business, that's cool and all, but like, you know, what is the – you might end up talking about what you've done and this is like a repeat conversation you've had hundreds of times and then after half an hour you're really tired and um, you just gave somebody like something that they may not be able to use in any way also. Yeah, yeah. or um, we had an organisation that reached out to us and, you know, I went full transparent on, yep. all, on all the great things and challenges and, um, you know, I've, I've trained myself in the language that I use and this and that and then I saw that they were in an article and they used my language and I was like, oh, I mean, I don't own this, there's no copyright but, yeah, um, yeah it was You just want to be careful about what you give away and what mm. you don't and also just thinking about is this a person, like what, what is the purpose of this meeting really? Like, yeah. I think about that a lot and actually working in partnerships, I think I was saying to you at the conference, you've got to be really judicious about the meetings that you take because mm. you can, you can, I could spend all day meeting random inbound people, um, really could, but um, it wouldn't be a good use of time. Sure. So, I mean, if we had more time, I feel like it'd be unbelievable if we had like one day a year where we can just 
chat and talk to, you know, total randoms and I'm sure there's so much that they could contribute to That's to what, what we're we doing do. right now. <laughs> I structure that yeah. into my week. Yeah. So, you know, we should all have a, a podcast. Well, maybe we should. Maybe we should just all meet, like make a commitment to meet with one interesting person we don't know per yeah. week and yeah. sit down with them for an hour and talk. Yeah. The thing if there's is, more time, would love that. Yeah. The thing is um, what makes this model work is that it's productive for both parties because um, there's the exposure opportunity sure. for the guest. So sure. Uh, this isn't the case with you, but there, there are many people who've been on the podcast who I don't think would want to just. If I said, "Let's have an hour long coffee and we'll talk about everything," it's <laughs> like it's not nearly as appealing as, "Hey, yeah. come on this podcast. You reach tens of thousands sure. of people, and um, you know we'll really blow things up for you." So yeah, no, it's a good point, and, and you know that's reciprocity. How, how do you remain genuine as well? Um, is is another thing. So. Me? No, just just as in general, but oh, yeah. In yeah, general. Yeah. Well, I think ego death is important. So mm. just trying to eliminate ego as much as possible um, is really important and just staying true to why you do stuff For sure. is good. Yeah. I, I find it interesting, it's probably especially as a female and a young person, yeah. is, you know, what's the difference between humility and arrogance and confidence Um yeah, like my favourite thing in the entire world and any person that's close to me will joke that I love networking, I love meeting people, I love learning and, you know, seeing what other people are up to. Yeah. But how do you make sure that you, I don't know, say when you're on a podcast or you're in an article or whatever it is that you're also, you know, it doesn't get to your head? Well, yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I, I think like um, I think networking gets a bad rap generally. Like mm. isn't networking just the art of going to things and having good conversations yeah. with interesting people? Well, that, that's how I see it, yeah. That's how I see it too. Yeah. So I, I choose to not call it networking as much because um, the goal isn't to build your networks. It's really to just meet interesting people mm. and to exchange knowledge. Mm. Um, and we should all like, you know, if you're not exchanging knowledge, you're not learning and growing. That's right. So it seems like everyone should be doing more networking and not thinking of it badly. For sure. I think where it becomes complicated in your space is there's a lot of celebrity social entrepreneurs. Mm. Um, and, and that's why I don't know if I love that title. Yeah. Yes. And uh, I don't know whether it's a title issue or just like a we kind of lionise the sector a lot and mm. it's become like the sexy part of for-purpose stuff. Um, and it is really fantastic that it's got the limelight that it does, but by the same token, like the way that we kind of posterise all this stuff and we, we you know, we, we put it up in lights, how helpful is that in the long run for, you know, controlling egos and yeah. retaining humility? I'd, I'd argue maybe not that good Totally. That. <laughs> I mean, the way that I look at what I do is... Am I am I supporting the organisation that I you know that I'm advocating for? Yeah, and, and the community. Yeah, and your people. Yeah, it's essentially marketing. Yeah, but, but like I think <laughs> Nick's a fairly good model of like how to be successful and humble, and also right. a lot of the other people you saw at um, SCWF. Beck Scott's a great example. Mm. You know, she's one of the most approachable people in the sector, one of the nicest, um, smartest, and approachable, caring yep. people in the sector, and. Um, you don't see any – there's no arrogance there at all. That's right. Um, so I think it is very much a choice and a personality type thing, um, but I think there is definitely a tension there. And I think the Social Enterprise World Forum and the the kind of gravitas that something like that brings poses that challenge for mm. people. So you're up in lights, you're on the stage. Yeah. Ha- having said that, the people that I saw in session and presenting were all very – what I like about that setting is the people do seem less celebrity obsessed and catchphrasey and more authentic and legit. And I think that's just part of the sector. Totally. And I, I think there's obviously something that's happened over time that's allowed for people to be vulnerable. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah, not everything is as as simple as it might seem. Yeah, um, there's always something going on behind the scenes. In, yeah, in, with a person and with you know an organisation as well. Yeah. So where do you see things going for you? Ideally, what would you like to do in your in your time? Obviously, all things um, equal is sort of what's happening now. Um, do you know? Have you thought much about the future? What you might like to do? Great question. Um, I've got no idea, and I think that's what excites me so much. Mm. Um, do I want to go down the philanthropy space? Do I want to stay involved with All Things Equal forever? Um, maybe there's another you know, area of, of interest in terms of, you know, where I can have more impact. Um, I, I have no idea. I think if something incredible came my way that I couldn't say no to, I'd be I'd be open to it, but I genuinely love what I do. Because it's like a bit of an open road, isn't it, once you do something like this? Like there are mm. so many different things you could do. Totally. Do you have like decision-making criteria or things that you'll take into account for what you do next? Um, it needs to be something that... I don't feel like I have a job. I feel like I wake up every morning and I'm excited. Yeah. yeah, you need a vocation. Yeah, I need something that's going to genuinely give me purpose in what I do. Are your peers and sort of people around your age doing the same stuff the same? Like it has to be a vocation? Um, like what are your friends sure. like? Do you have, your friends who aren't in social enterprise, are they like you or? No. Do, yeah, okay. No, I, I have maybe five friends in the nonprofit space. Yeah. Yeah, and everyone else. Uh, and they're all bouncy as all hell like you? Um. Yes or no? Up, up and <laughs> but, about. But um, passionate. yeah, yeah, passionate. Yes, yeah. and they're all young. Yeah, but the passion you can see it just I don't know, it's like pours out of people. Yeah, yeah, it's it's awesome. And what happened? What, what is it sort of the comparison like to friends in other industries? What do you sort of see that's different? Um, they don't get excited. They're not as excited about what they do, and they prioritize different things in their life. So, you know. Going out to a birthday dinner, I couldn't care less what I'm wearing. I'll put whatever's on my floor because mm. I don't have time to think about that. Mm. If I've made a silly comment, I don't have time to reflect on it. Mm. I just do better next time. Whereas, whereas for them, and this is that's great if it works for them, but for, for them it is a little bit more. Um, I don't want to say materialistic, but it's it's very different. Yeah. Um, yeah. That. Yeah. Different different things that they're interested in, maybe. That's right. That's right. Different yeah. things that they're interested in and different things that they prioritize in their lives. Yeah. Um, and maybe self-care is one of them. So yeah. it's not, yeah, <laughs> what I'm doing, it's definitely not, um, wouldn't say that I'm, you know, perfect at all. <laughs> so that's one change that you're looking to make. So you're doing yeah. a, bit, a bit more like, what will self-care look like for you? Um, my boyfriend's trying to get me into mindfulness and, mm-hmm. and um, meditating and I struggle. I think I've got undiagnosed ADHD. Yep. So, um, and interestingly, a whole bunch of people that I've met um, recently also happen to have that. Undiagnosed? So, or, or, or diagnosed. Yeah, or but, diagnosed, yeah. And, and I think that's sort of an interesting research topic around the I think social it is. impact space. Yeah. I think it is. And I, yeah, just some of the conversations I've had being recently around um, social media and what that does to yeah. people's brains is sort of... Just instant, 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 yeah. Was it you who was showing me Be Real or was it yeah. one of your friends? <laughs> yeah. that, I talked about that on, a, on another <laughs> podcast that will probably come out before this one, but... Um, really cool platform. I mean, that for me was like, I'm not going to use it. And um, there's probably several others that I just have no interest in. But if I was going to use one and I was younger, Be Real would probably be the one. Yeah, it's meant to be like an anti-social media, social media yeah. app. And it's obviously also got its own issues. But yeah. um, you yeah, do just definitely explain see... it. Explain it for the listeners. Oh, I'm trying to see if I can do the... Um, Maybe I can. Give the best pitch. Yeah, you do yeah. it. It's basically like if Instagram were pictures of actual reality, not manufactured reality. 
So you have to take a photo when the notification is sent to you of whatever you're doing at that time under a timer. Yeah. And uh, so you can't get all glammed up and just, you know. And it's one shot only. One shot only. Yeah. So if you look yeah. bad, that's just a yeah. shame. And so the intent is you end up with like um, these tiles or like a timeline of, um, you know, stuff like what, what people's actual life looks like. So yeah. Be real. It's it's um you get a picture of, of it's like a selfie and then also what you're looking at. Yeah, so, I just yeah. I love that idea. I think that's I think for me that is um there's a lot of dark side to all the social media stuff going on. Um, you know, like I get some entertainment out of TikTok, but I'm also probably being digitally abused by uh, various <laughs> entities. So, yeah. you know, that, <laughs> that's hard. But you know, in terms of where things are going positively, I think ethical development of new social and um, new social media tools is really interesting. Like Be Real, yeah, yeah. And to, see, and and to see you and other people actually adopting it and using it like consciously is super interesting. I mean, I wouldn't say that I'm, you know. The, the dream person for using social media properly. No. Um, I spend far too much time. Yeah. Um, and that's also one of the ways that I wind down, which yep. is really interesting because yep. you'd assume, well, naturally you should get off your phone. Yeah. Um, but that happens to work for me, which... Well, I, I wind down to TikTok. I love it. Yeah, me too. That's yeah. how I... Yeah, I go to sleep to sound. Yeah. YouTube videos. That's yep. how I fall asleep, which is... I um, <laughs> I like to fall asleep listening to uh, documentaries. Yeah, um, me too. Because, um, and the secret is, and I'm not sure if I've ever said this on the podcast before, it's got to be the perfect balance between interesting and really boring. Yeah. So you need to find a mid-range documentary. <laughs> yes. So it's got to be like a topic that you're kind of interested in, but it has to be really poorly done. I thought I, thought, um, I was the only person that, yeah. that that's nah. – it used to be Ellen DeGeneres that I used to listen yeah, to yeah, and then yeah. I got bored of her. I yeah. never did that, but Louise does Dr. Phil, my yeah. wife. So, you know, everyone's got their poison. But, at, um, at the moment mine is um, people that use coupons when they're, when they're purchasing things. That just <laughs> is what comes up on my YouTube. Very that's niche. Amazing. It's very niche. <laughs> I'm going to try that. <laughs> It's been awesome chatting with you today. How can people um, connect with you and learn a bit more about your work? Yeah, um, reach out on any platform at all. and Be real? Uh, besides for Be Real. <laughs> um, Facebook, LinkedIn, yep. email. What's your website? On our website, um, allthingsequal.com.au. And if someone emails, it'll go straight through to me. And where's, where's the cafe in case people want to drop in? Um, we're on Carlisle Street, 263 to 265 Carlisle Street in Balaclava. Fantastic, Victoria. So, Victoria. Sorry, interstate listeners, you'll have to take a plane across and come visit. But if anyone has any cool ideas of what, you know, where we can be taking this grassroots organisation, we make really good coffee and food. So come, come. Let, let's catch up at the cafe yeah, and you can, can see what we do. Let's catch up for a meal at the cafe and talk about all things. How about that? All things equal. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, zing. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming in. Thanks so much. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player and why not share it with a friend or two? If you want more from your Humans of Purpose experience, become a Humans of Purpose member today through our new platform, Supercast. All you need to do is hit the link in our show notes. If you have a message to share with our audience about your brand, products or services, we have a wide variety of paid promotional packages available. Please get in touch by hitting the link in our show notes.